Hello and welcome to the Nitty Gritty Reviews podcast. I am Rachel and today I have with me here a special guest co-host, my sister Jessie. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about the 1998 film Pleasantville, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary later this year in October. This movie is written and directed by Gary Ross and is starring Tobey Maguire, Reese Witherspoon, William H. Macy, Joan Allen, Jeff Daniels, and a bunch of like weirdly famous extras, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, and I also think for this movie, it's worth noting the cinematographer. I don't usually do that, but this movie is uh, so marked by its cinematography, which again, we'll get to later. But cinematographer is John Lindley. And uh, let's throw the composer in there too, because it's Randy Newman. Uh, which we will get to. Um, there's, uh, as you can tell from that clumsy introduction, there's a lot going on with this movie, and I am super excited to to delve into the grid. But before we do that, uh, let's talk a little bit about our uh, our memories with this movie or our experiences. Um, so, so how about you, Jesse? Why don't you go first? I don't have a lot to say about my background with this movie because I I know I saw it around the time that it was new. But I don't really know if I've even seen it since then. And I don't really have any particular, particularly fond memories of it. Or I don't, I don't really have a huge like connection to this movie or a whole lot of memories about, about it. That's kind of funny because I'm pretty sure the first time I saw this movie was with you. It was one of those movies that, that you really wanted to see. I don't think you had seen it before. I think you had just heard of it. And, and we watched it together. I could be completely wrong on that. I feel like most movies like this, I just kind of assume I saw with you, you first. You could be completely right, though. I mean, I could have just been when I rented it and saw it. I don't know. That's kind of what I feel like. I feel like it was fairly new. And I mean, 1998, I would have been 10. So it couldn't have been when it was yeah. brand new. I don't think I would have seen this movie I don't have, 10. like, negative memories about this movie. I just don't really remember a lot about it, period. That's fair. I definitely remember. I mean, it must have left an impression on me because I definitely remember, you know, once I got into filmmaking, this was definitely a movie that I sought out. And that could just be because it's it's mentioned largely because of the cinematography. It comes up in textbooks and things like that from time to time. Uh, so maybe that has more to do with it than my actual memories of it. Um, but it was definitely something that left an impression on me and one that I, you know, bought the DVD and watched all the special features. It's surprisingly even though it came out in 1998 and as soon as you pop the DVD and you can tell it's super dated. Very 98, yeah. Very, but it has like two separate commentary. I believe it has a, Gary Ross does a, a commentary as well as there's a commentary, I believe that just has the isolated score with Randy Newman and then he gives a commentary on it, which is kind of interesting. Um, I don't think I listened to that one, but I definitely... Definitely watched it with with Gary Ross's commentary, watched all the special features, got really into it for a while, uh, probably when I was in, you know, probably five-ish years ago. So it's been a while. I don't remember anything from the commentary, but I definitely, uh, definitely left an impression. And and one, as soon as I saw that it had an anniversary coming up, I was like, we've got to do that on the podcast. Um, So I'm I'm excited to talk about it. I am too. All right. Uh, So that said, should we delve into the grid? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the first category is going to be writing, plot, and genre. And this one, I'll say right off the bat, I expected, um, as soon as I sat down to fill out the grid, I thought for sure writing was going to get both the the plot and genre and the characters categories. I was like, well, this is going to be super strong categories down the line. And they are strong. They're not, I didn't give anything super bad scores, but they aren't like super awesome scores either. They're um, a little lower than I thought they would be. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear a little bit about what you think about this um, category. And so I guess to start with, is there anything that, that either stood out as, as really good or maybe something that stood out as a, as a clear weakness within this category for you? Yeah, there's a couple things. <laughs> All right. I'll say, okay, so as I get into this, I just want you to know that writing is actually the lowest scored category out of this entire grid for me. So if it sounds like I'm being a little harsh, just know that it's going to lighten up as we get into some other <laughs> categories. I just did not think that the writing was its string. Something that bothered me a lot that I realized... Okay, so I realized as I was watching the movie that there were there was a lot of it that 
I just felt like, for lack of a more sophisticated word, I just felt like there were parts that were kind of dumb and I was kind of ready to get past them and just (laughs) like this again. And I realized as the movie was wrapping up that to me, it would have been so much of a better movie if they never showed modern day, if they never got sucked into the TV, if they just took all of that out and just made it about just like built the world of this TV show reality from the beginning and just made that the world without having to have them be literally like sucked into a TV show. I really felt like that was not clever. I just thought it was kind of like, ugh, kind of felt kind of a little dumb and maybe that's just because I don't really like fantasy movies and it's hard for me to get drawn into a movie that starts out that way. But I just felt like it would have been a lot more interesting if it just lived in that world alone. I could see that. I actually, I, I didn't put it together quite that way, but now that you're saying it out loud, I, I completely agree. Cause there was, um, for sure, world building exposition was one of my lower scores. Um, I think I can tell from the way you're talking about, it, I think I still gave things higher than you, um, uh, which is completely fine. But, um, as far as world building and exposition goes, I felt like they spent a lot of time being like, this is a TV show. These kids aren't from that world. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And it felt like I feel like it hokey. was... Hokey, yeah. Hokey in a way it wasn't supposed to be. Because there's definitely hokiness in this movie. Um, but it just felt really thick, I guess. Or just... just yeah. I think it's just so much exposition. And just so much like you know, having David, I think was his real name or buddy, whatever we want to call him. Uh, it was just constantly like, Oh, Oh, we're in this episode. And like, Oh, I know what's that stuff happen. was so annoying. Yeah, it took me I out agree. of it every time. I just felt so annoyed. And I felt like, I don't know if I'll even like this movie. And I realized that that was really the main reason why, and that they could have had a whole movie without that. Like, yeah, I think the only uh, the, the only thing I can think of that would make that difficult is the the character of the sister who is, you know, the sexually mature or active or whatever. Active. I wouldn't character. say mature. Yeah, that's I, I realized when I said it. That yeah, wasn't quite right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the sexually active teenager, I, I'm not sure how they would fit that in. But I feel like they could have even just had one character gets sucked into this universe and not have the the pair and the, the one sibling that's like, oh, I know just what's going on. So Let me explain. Actually, constantly. that leads into another thing that I had written down. It comes up more in characters, but I'm going to bring it up now just because it does have to do with the way that the movie is structured. Is Do we even need Tobey Maguire's character at all? I mean, I think... I agree with what you're getting at. I think the reason the screenwriter probably would argue that he is necessary is because he's the one in the courtroom scene who's like, oh, I'm going to bring out the color in everybody. Um, but I feel like it could have just as easily been the sister. Like, it could have been have, anyone. Uh, yeah. Or anyone, yeah. Um, or, yeah, just have the uh, have the um, diner guy. Why am I suddenly blanking on everybody's I names? don't know anybody's names anyway, so um, that's fine with me. Yeah, but but that character, um, just have him have like a, a revelation by the end of the movie and have him be able to speak for himself in the courtroom would have probably been a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I that's a good point. I Again, I don't think I would have put it quite like that, but... Well, it comes to my mind because the strongest character arcs in the movie are the one of the the sister and the one of the mom. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit the one of the dad because he realizes that he's not just like mad at his wife anymore. He starts to like realize why he actually loves her in the first place. And that's kind of how he reaches his self-actualization. Those are all good character arcs, but the main character's character arc is like not really that interesting compared to everybody else's. And I thought that the female ones were so strong that it was like, why does this movie have to be led by Tobey Maguire's character? I kind of think it would have been better if the sister were the main character. I agree. She's way more interesting and has a way stronger story arc. I agree. Yeah, I feel like this easily could have just been a a female-led movie. 
yeah, now that we're talking about it, I'm not quite sure why it wasn't other than sexism, like, I guess, or, or even maybe not even necessarily so much sexism, but I think, I think it's also important to remember that this movie is 20 years old. And I think the more like fan fantasy aspects, I don't think audiences were quite as used to like high concept movies. So maybe it was more dumbing it down. Well, that's how you literally use the word dumb, like saying that it's (laughs) dumb. So, I mean, I guess it is. Um, but I feel like that's mostly what Tobey Maguire's character was doing. It's like, let's dumb this down for the audience. Let's explain that, you know, they're in a TV show and and here's what's going on. Like, that's... It wasn't helpful. Like, oh, that makes sense now. It's like, here we go again with this part of the story that I... Like, yeah. can we just forget that they got sucked into the TV by the t- magical TV? Like, I wish we could have just forgotten about that because I just didn't like it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot more to say within this category. Well, I have um, another thing to bring up. Okay. I didn't I didn't want to hog the conversation, but if you're looking for another topic, I got one for you. Yeah, no, I mean, I have I have one thing that scored really, really high, so I guess I can talk about that. But um, Okay, go to that before go I go to that. another low one. Okay, so one thing that I did appreciate within this movie is the um, the use of, like, genre tropes, um, specifically with, like, the, the 50s sitcom you know, very clearly supposed to be like a leave it to beaver or, you know, something of that nature. Yeah, that was um, good. Yeah. So I really liked the way it was like, let's take these tropes, mix it with like 90s teen comedy in a lot of way. I mean, it was a, essentially, I guess, I, I don't know if I'd quite call it a teen comedy, but it's a comedy with teenagers. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I feel like in the beginning, it used some of those tropes at least. Sort of. Yeah. But that's the part I didn't like. Yeah. I, I liked how it was using like 50s sitcom stereotypes in sort of a tongue-in-cheek sort of way kind of a sarcastic way a little bit here and there I I mean and I liked I don't know I I liked the way that it used the style of a 50s sitcom but I thought that it was so much stronger if that just stood on its own I didn't think it needed the needed the contrasting to the 90s that's fair they even in the beginning when they showed them in the 90s classrooms, like went to all the trouble of being like, like showing the teachers telling them in the classrooms, like you are like your generation, you're going into like the world is falling apart because of global warming. And like all of these jobs are going to go away and the economy is going to be terrible. And da, da, da. they're just like having this totally like fatalistic, like oh, this is really going to suck for your generation. And then they contrasted that with the 50s. And I felt like that was giving a confusing message because it was almost like mixing up their tone to where it was like, didn't it used to be so much better? And I was kind of like, am I remembering this movie right? Like, where are they going with this? Like, I feel like that was kind of like to to help us relate to the main character where like he's hearing all of this stuff. He's like, I'm going to escape this and watch this. And then by the end of the movie, it's like, well, that's not really all that great either. Look at all this beauty in life. Let's, yeah. let's introduce the beauty. And then in theory, when he goes back to the real world, he can take that with him and be like. And see, I just, I didn't think that that was realistic either. A 90s teenager escaping in a 50s sitcom. Why was yeah. he even watching that? Who would even watch that? And he knew everything about it. We'll get to that a little he bit. He really thought that that was better than his yeah. life. Like, who would? The only people who watch that stuff and fantasize about it are the people who lived in the fifties and think that yeah. they, you know, who hate kids today. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but that's that's who does that? Not a teenager in the nineties. Like, that just yeah. makes sense. That was going to be something. I, I think these are all the things that like build up on each other that made all of that not work for me. Where I'm like, couldn't they have just like started the movie in their sitcom world in the first place and just had that be the whole world we don't yeah. have to find out how they got there don't tell us how they got there just have some people be there this is just the world that it's in just leave it at that like I thought that would be kind of more interesting and would yeah. get rid of all the parts that I thought were stupid I can't say I disagree <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I wanted to get into is I mean, it's kind of a a discussion because I don't know really like the answer to this necessarily. But so you've got this movie about all of these very repressed people who let go of their repression to self-actualize and realize that their flaws or whatever are 
are okay and they they are who they are and they're like they get comfortable with their true selves, right? So everybody in the movie is white, heterosexual. You know, we don't get into religion at all. And they There's very religious overtones. There's but. religious overtones just in yeah, just in the fact that it's like you have to act a certain way and you have to, you know, fit this lifestyle just perfectly and be just like everybody else. That definitely has religious overtones. Well, and there's the whole eating the forbidden fruit. There's the, the very blatant when he eats the apple. And the Don Knotts character even says, like, look, look what you did. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that has, that has an allegory to it. The biggest, like, most scandalous thing that these people are repressing about themselves that they don't want everybody to know and they don't want to admit to themselves is that they actually have sexual desires period or that they actually use the the bathroom like they don't like they're they're you know they're like in this perfect world where it where it never rains and like you sleep in separate beds and there's no actual toilets and and all of this well when it really stood out to me that like they ne- that that was just the extent of it was when they were using the signs that said no colors and it and it was you know, I mean, I know it's a metaphor and they're saying like no colors as in like none of the people who have changed color because they've self-actualized and because they're rejecting people with new ideas. Right. Yeah. But obviously that has some tone. Right. That reminds us of racism. And I'm just wondering whether like if this movie were remade today, if you would have more direct references to the people in this town being racist or homophobic etc or whether you would have a homosexual character or whether you'd have somebody show up in the town who wasn't white is that necessary for this movie is it not necessary that's where I mean it's a discussion yeah that's a tough question I think because it it's so framed in like the the 50s and if you watch 50s sitcoms there are for the most part there are not people of color except maybe the help you know like there's not although even then in the 50s I feel like that wasn't even it was just white and and straight and and all of that stuff so I feel like to to stick with the 50s sitcom kind of tropes it has to be a little bit more metaphorical like you said with the with colors meaning difference between black and white and literally in color to represent racism and you know a sexual awakening could be seen to represent you know just a a regular sexual awakening or somebody hiding their sexuality I mean you have the the mom character who's covering herself up with makeup is very metaphorical for for anybody who wants to hide anything who they are yeah um so while I do like pretty much in in 99% of the cases, I I would argue that, you know, yes, get diversity in there, get, you know, as much representation as you can for for anything, whether it be, you know, sexuality, gender, race, whatever. Um, But I feel like because the story is so allegorical, if you want to stick with that 50s sitcom thing, I feel like you have to have these straight white characters that you would find in the 50s sitcom and then have changes happen to represent that diversity yeah um which maybe means we need to find something new to symbolize you know if this movie were to be remade today maybe it shouldn't be a 50s sitcom maybe we should find something else that would allow for more exploration more blatant exploration instead of this hidden metaphor um because i think we have evolved for even since 1998 that was only 20 years ago but i feel like we've evolved quite a bit as a society, as far as more open exploration of diversity. And, you know, it's not just straight white mm-hmm. cis people, you know? Yeah. And I, don't, I mean, I know I brought it up, but I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing that the movie doesn't address it because then you can just use the fact that they, what they don't want is change or new yeah. ideas. So like the new ideas can be, we should accept everybody no matter what color they are. It doesn't make a difference what race anybody is. So so it can apply to all different parts of history. You know, you've got parts of yeah. history where the new idea is that 
you should be able to ride wherever you want on the bus, no matter what your race is, or, you know, something like you should be able to use whichever bathroom you want to use, you know, like there's just, it applies to things at all different points of history. There's always going to be this running theme that there are communities that don't want change. So, so maybe it's actually good that they don't identify the exact issues that they're like allergic to. Yeah. That's kind of how I took it. I was taking this, this 50s sitcom environment and, and leaving it, like leaving it open to interpretation because it is so allegorical, but not explicitly, not explicitly stated, I guess, or, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I do think it's, it's interesting that throughout the movie, it's, it's very much so like, you know, ignorance versus knowledge, like that seems mm-hmm. to be, or, you know, staying the same versus change. Like those are the two biggest mm-hmm. forces at work, which can be applied to pretty much any yeah it's a wide scope of an idea yeah absolutely all right well was there anything else you wanted to add for the writing plot and genre no some of the things I've said have kind of been bleeding into characters so I'm yeah I'm excited to go into that category but should we go over our score for the first one first uh yeah we should definitely do our our total scores what was your your total score for writing plot and genre it was 6.4 oh it's not too much lower than mine I was a 7.4 actually um, I think largely the uh, genre cliches, tropes, and choice. I gave that a perfect ten. That gave the category a pretty big boost. Yeah, overall, that's high. Yeah, I I like genre, and I thought it was really interesting the way it used sitcoms and genre. And not mm-hmm. re- repeating myself, but I, <laughs> I liked the the use of genre tropes. Yeah, it was worth throughout. the time for you. I, for me, it was. Yeah. All right, so that's going to bring us to writing characters. I think we both have have quite a bit to say it sounds like with this character and I have some some pretty uh, relatively low scores and some some pretty high scores with this one I guess I'll, I'll start because this is kind of something we've talked about already mm-hmm. so I feel okay just kind of jumping in um, but character likability was, yeah that's what I wanted to start with too yeah I I still gave it a 4.5 because there were enough characters you in the still movie. gave it a 4.5 like that's high or something well I mean it still <laughs> that's meets expectations I gave it the lowest end for for meets expectations um because there were really I mean if it was just the sister and the mom mm-hmm. and the, I feel so bad, I don't remember any of the people it's names. fine um but the the sister the, the mom maybe the dad uh, the diner owner. Like, there were some really interesting characters. Much everybody except the main character. Yeah. And he was awful. The whole movie. He was just a creeper. He was <clears> weird. <throat> he was un- unbelievable. Like, I mean, like you were saying in the last category, like, who, what teenager does this? What yeah. world does he live in? Yeah. Um, and then the way he just kept, like, smiling at the screen and, like, laughing. He would, like, say the line before the actor said it on TV and then they'd say it and he would just like smile to himself like he was completely stoned. Like <laughs> if he was sitting there smoking pot, I would have thought it was a funny scene, but he was just like eating popcorn or something. I'm like, what is wrong with this kid? Yeah. Like he just, yeah. I hated a number of things throughout the movie that did not seem believable. Like doing the makeup for the mom. Why did he know how to do makeup so well? Like, I know this was supposed to be this, like, loving gesture, and, like, that did show, but my disbelief at him knowing how to do makeup better than the mother was hard to get past. Yeah. And then the way he explained things to everybody whenever he knew what was going on was obnoxious as hell. Mm -hmm. He just... Yeah, my note for this... I wrote down Toby Maguire, kind of hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't really fault you there. Was... I also, this was a problem in the Spider-Man movies too. I just don't buy him as a teenager. He looks like a little old yeah, man. He does look. And I think not a little old man, but I mean, he looks like middle age. He yeah. was, t- I, I had to look it up because I was like, how old is he in this movie? He was 23. Which is a totally acceptable age for playing a teenager, really. Like, in most movies, they're in your early 20s if you're playing someone in high school. So it shouldn't have stood out that much, but he just doesn't look like a teenager. He never has. I just have trouble with him all throughout. He He was just just... annoying constantly. Almost every word out of his mouth Mm -hmm. was obnoxious. 
And then he didn't really even have much of a character arc. Like most of the other characters I can remember distinctly when they changed mm-hmm. to color. His just sort of happened at some point. I'm not even really sure like why specifically or what that had to do with his growth as a character. Yeah, because I mean, it wasn't defend. Like he was defending the mom. But like, what did that have to do with his self-growth? I don't, I don't feel like from what we know about this character that that was something he wouldn't have done before. Yeah. That now he's gone through this change. I and then even he, once he was like, you know, grown from this whole experience and went back to his real mom and real wife, he's like wiping her tears and stuff and advising her like he's like this wise old man. And I'm just like, what are you doing, kid? Yeah. What are you doing? It was creepy. It just didn't even make sense. Yeah, yeah. he was a very unlikable character. I, I did give character likability a five, though, because I liked Reese Witherspoon's character a lot. Yeah. And that balanced things out. But, you know, I, w- I wish so much that she was the main character. Yeah. And they never showed anything in the 90s. Oh, my gosh. It would have been, like, so much yeah. of a better movie. I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on to Reese Witherspoon's character, then. What did you think more specifically about her? I liked her a lot. I, even when I feel like we weren't supposed to like her, like like in the even in the '90s scenes where it's like, oh, she's the rebellious one. We yeah. she's the one that's gonna have to go through this huge change because she's awful. I still was like, but she's kind of like she's relatable and she seems believable, whereas Tobey Maguire didn't. Yeah, and like her flaws, I felt like it was just like, oh, she doesn't quite know. Like she's she's just she's immature. She doesn't know who she is or what she wants. And then by the end of the movie, she's like, "Oh, now I have this chance to like pursue an education, and you know, now I can, yeah, I don't I don't have to be afraid of knowledge. I yeah, can, I can pursue that, and it's okay." I was really surprised for a movie made in 1998 that they managed to successfully have a character who was a young woman who was having a lot of sex and didn't have any shame about it. And the movie didn't shame her either. Like there was no slut shaming in this movie. There wasn't, which is surprising. I, one thing I did want to ask is, do you think her, her story arc, it like, is there a moral to that story of like, is, is there kind of a a hidden slut shaming of like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I was worried about where they were going with her going in. Cause like I said, I didn't remember that much about this movie. So a lot of this was, you know, I was, it was like almost like I was watching it for the first time. So I didn't really remember where they were going with her character. And I was worried because I thought that everybody just having sex was just like all it was going to take for them to be like turning to color. And then that's not what happened for her, for her. It happened later after she started reading, which I loved. (laughs) I loved that. I thought that was, and then um, I had to look this up because I was not familiar with it, but the book that she read was about, well, this is kind of mature for a girl in high school, you know, but it, it ties in a lot with the mom's story in this movie. It's about an upper class woman who is married and her husband becomes disabled or something. And she just like the relationship starts falling apart. And then she winds up having an affair with like a lower class man. And it's a like, a pretty sexually explicit book for the time that it was written because it was in the very early 1900s. So it's like one of those, you know, historically banned books. But, um, you know, it's about this, it's, it's, a, it's a story about, you know, sexual awakening of sorts, but it's not about having sex for the first time. Yeah. So, and that's a lot like the mom's story too, because, you know, she finds this other lover who you know doesn't expect her to be the Stepford wife and yeah. kind of ties in with that same theme okay interesting I wasn't familiar with the book either I had to look it up yeah and by the way that reminds me too about another thing that bothered me about Toby Maguire's character <laughs> all he ever did was sit around and watch tv and yet he apparently knows every important work of literature that yeah. there is to know. I was like, why does he recognize all these books and know like all about them? He just kept me like, oh yeah, I know that one. That's a good one. And he knew all about yeah. it. He even knew about this one that 
that the sister was reading. Like, that's pretty obscure. I mean, maybe obscure is the wrong word, but it's not the one that, like, everybody's required to read in high school. Right. It doesn't have that kind of... It's not that level of well-known, but he knew about it because he knows every book. Like, that was so annoying. (laughs) I think they were trying to get it like, oh, he is the good student. But like you said, that's not one he would even read in school. So that like... He didn't even strike me as a good student. He... Yeah, I think that was the... the... Now we wound it back on his character again, but he was awful. It was pretty bad. I don't know. But I liked her a lot. Yeah. And I really I liked too. I really liked the the mom. I think I found her to be the most interesting character. Mm-hmm. Um just her her story of like going from this almost like a Stepford wife. I mean she's obviously not a robot, but very much so that or leave it to Beaver, I guess, you know, that very fifties. And imagine how know. much more of that story you could have gotten. If Tobey Maguire's character wasn't even in this movie. Yeah. He was such a waste. Yeah. It really should have been about the women and maybe the dad. Yeah. Throw more of him The dad is like the secondary character and the mom and daughter as the primary characters. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been a lot better that way. Yeah. You know, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like, I could actually see this movie being remade and better. I could. I'm I'm not usually a fan of that kind of thinking. And especially... I, obviously, I don't want to get into like politics necessarily, but I feel like, in regardless of, of political viewpoints, I feel like this is a movie that could easily be be taken and adapted. Well, it's a based, very based on issues going on. Trump era today. relevant movie. I, I yeah, think so. For yeah, sure. I mean, it's very, very much so. Yeah, I guess Trump era relevant is the best way to put it, without delving too much one way or the other. But yeah, so I I could I could easily see this movie being remade I think that could be be interesting um and especially since we're we're in an era where female-led films aren't quite the, I mean we're it's still tough but it's not quite the dirty word it used to be I feel like even in 98 it's like well we can't you know it's not a romantic comedy we're not doing that mm-hmm. um but now I mean it's still tough but I don't know it could be that could be a really interesting movie now I'm trying to think of like who would be in it this could be good any, any Hollywood execs out there, this is what you should do. <laughs> Just please don't suck them into the TV again, please. I hate yeah. that part. Or keep it really, really brief if you do. No, just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel, because I have conflicted feelings about this. How did you feel about the sister, Reese Witherspoon, staying behind at the end? I thought it was stupid. Okay. I- but I think I thought it was stupid because I thought everything... In regards to them going back to the 90s was stupid. Yeah. All of it. I thought it was stupid when he went back and talked to his mom. I thought it, yeah. the TV repairman guy was stupid. It was cool that the guy from the Andy Griffith show had like a camera yeah. in this movie, but I wish he could have been anybody else in the movie except that stupid, like... Right, he could have been the guy mowing or the guy watering thing. his mom who was yeah. like a recurring but very subtle mm-hmm. character. Yeah. A very tertiary character. It could have been anybody. Yeah. And I felt like his scenes went on way too long. See, because they were like, look who we got. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like when he's like, oh, I can't believe you. I'm going to leave now. And then he kept coming back to say something. I'm like, you said you were going to leave. Just leave. Yeah. Like he kept that scene went on for like He should have just been like the mayor or like a teacher or something. Yeah. I did give um, the highest score in this category by far. I did give character inner needs a perfect 10. Um, although now that we've talked so much about Toby Maguire and how awful he was, uh, I probably could lower it, but I feel like everybody else was, was strong enough that I feel okay leaving it a perfect 10. Um, cause this movie was really all about people. Like you said at the beginning, I forget your exact words, but you put it in a really good way of like people coming from a place of ignorance and finding like self-actualization and learning mm-hmm. to, to accept themselves and let go of their repression. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, this movie is, is and they all, all have that same inner need and, and then it's just like expressed for each person in different ways. Exactly. Which I found really interesting. Um, except in the character of Toby McGuire. I still yeah. don't know what he was repressing that standing up for the mom made him, I don't know, but, but everybody else, um, I thought was that was really, really great. Even like the mayor, like he had to yell and get angry and, and express his fears. And that was him letting go of his repression. I thought that was a great touch. Just, you know, this release of emotion and, and letting go of inhibitions to to reach that level. 
Um, I thought it was really great and handled really, really well in everybody else except for Toby Maguire. All right. Well, was there anything else you wanted to, to add for this category? I think that pretty much covers it. All right. What was your final score? It was 7.6. Actually, so was mine. Wow. Exactly. I thought for sure yours was going to be, be quite a bit lower. I'm surprised, actually, um, especially for, for both of us, that uh, writing characters got higher than writing plot and genre. Obviously, anyone listening can tell, we both really had a problem with Tobey Maguire. But the other characters were so good. that The, the stuff yeah. that carried that were the um, character development and character arcs. And when I was yeah. scoring those, I was thinking about the mom and the sister yeah, way more than I was too. thinking about Tobey Maguire. Yeah. And even the, the guy from the diner... Um, I thought his arc was was great. He was too. interesting, yeah. Yeah. All right. So then that's going to bring us to one that I'm quite curious to hear uh, what we have to say after coming out of the writing characters. But that's going to be uh, acting and casting. Uh, so is there anything? Let's start with let's start with positives. Is there anything that stood out for you, or or I guess if there's nothing that stood out as really good, I guess then just uh, what what did you score the highest? So actually, this was a weird category for me. This was one of those categories that was really land for me and so I wound up just giving everything down the line the same number because I was just like this just feels about right because there wasn't anything about the acting that stood out to me in particular except when Reese Witherspoon makes that squinty face like she just can't even believe what you're saying and she she just like makes that face yeah I love it when she does that (laughs) it's not unique to this movie but she she's fun and she does good face acting but I mean you know Tobey Maguire wasn't great but how much of that was acting and how much was writing I don't know like I don't know but what stood out for you because I'm sure you have more to say actually weirdly this is uh, I think a first but the highest that I gave anything in this category was the extras (laughs) Um, which is not to say that I thought anything else was bad but this is one of those movies that like you look in the background it's like is that is that so-and-so and And then you look it up with like sure enough it is like there was Danny Strong is in the background Mm -hmm. I think he has a couple lines I guess he's not technically an extra um, and uh, Mark Blucas, I think is his name, who is also a, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer alum. Um, so both of them are in it. And you had mentioned Jenny Lewis is in this movie, which I never was able to identify her in the movie. I only saw it written down in the cast. And I was like, what? That Jenny Lewis? I had to click on it to see. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's the singer. But I mean, she's done acting, too, because she was like a child actress. But I thought she was done with that by the 90s. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I still don't quite know who that is. Okay, well. But I'll take your word for it. (laughs) She was apparently in this movie. I didn't see her, though. (laughs) But yeah, so I I gave extras pretty high. I gave that a 9.5 just because I thought it was fun just looking in the backgrounds and seeing everyone. And I thought everybody did it. There, There was definitely a lot more acting required of the extras in this movie it was a lot of reaction shots and a lot of close-ups whereas usually it's like a, a big crowd you don't really see anyone's faces and this was definitely a little bit more of more acting required of their extras than a normal movie so yeah. that, that contributed as well but yeah that was that was my highest weirdly um and my lowest i guess since you gave everything the same that's a quite a bit harder to talk about a range but for me the lowest um actually was was face acting um which I still gave a 6.5 uh, largely because of of Reese Witherspoon and uh, a little bit of the the mom I forget the actress's name Joan something I think Allen that sounds right Joan Allen man I'm really I'm usually bad with names and this is worse than usual um but I think you're right I believe it's Joan Allen um I thought she was great and Reese Witherspoon was great and everyone else um, was kind of average, and and Tobey Maguire, um, I, I think maybe I'm just not a fan of his, because um, I really didn't think he did a particular, I thought his line deliveries were okay. I feel bad because I don't want to be mean, but like, does anybody really like, like Tobey Maguire? I mean, he's not in movies anymore, really, right? <laughs> like, I feel like he kind of yeah. faded right out. I mean, he was uh, popular for a while. Yeah. People love the Spider-Man movies. I don't think it's necessarily because, because of him. Because of him? I don't yeah. think so. I don't know. But the, the face acting category definitely would have been probably closer to a 7.5 had 
had he done a little bit better or a different actor or something. So that kind of all contributes to that being the lowest for me. So that said, what was the the same score that you gave? Yeah, I just everything? gave everything a seven. So this came out as a seven. Okay. okay, that's still pretty high. I thought it was going to be like a five or a six the way you were talking. No, it's not too bad. It wasn't, I didn't yeah. feel like it was bad. I just, seven. Yeah, all right. Um, I was a little bit higher, probably largely because of the uh, uh, the boost from the extras category, but it came out to an 8.2 for me overall. All right, so then that's going to bring us to, to an interesting one to talk about for this movie, and it's going to be cinematography lighting. Um, and this one, I'll be honest, I didn't really think too much about the individual categories um, because I feel like just overall everything is done so well like not just I mean obviously there's the the black and white and then the color um which is kind of lighting but but I had a hard time with that because that's what I liked the most and then I'm I'm looking through like lighting camera work special effects and I'm like what what does that really fit into I I think it's very much so with this movie I mean it's definitely definitely the the cinematographer you know played a huge huge role in that but then of course you need the special effects team to, to pull it off as well so this is definitely a joint effort uh, between between the editing team or at least the special effects team and and lighting so I kind of, but I kind of just lumped everything into cinematography lighting because um, I really do just think this movie in in pretty much everything it does does such a good job of like everything looks beautiful except for the 90s scenes I guess which are pretty bland but I think it's kind of what it's going for um but everything in Pleasantville at least like they they get the realism they get the mood they get like you know it's stylized but in just the right way like I just I just thought everything was fantastic and I I couldn't them not giving cinematography a perfect 10 so that's what I gave it I just gave everything down the lines a 10 mine actually wasn't that much lower than that I gave a 10 to mood and a 10 to storytelling and yeah. then everything else I gave nines that's fair yeah, yeah. so what is that so that comes out to a 9.4 okay that uh, was there anything specific you wanted to talk about within within cinematography lighting or is that about it well not really I mean like I said um I was really impressed with the way the black and white change into color was used as a storytelling device and I thought it looked really cool um especially so like it wasn't that striking when you saw color starting to show up like when you just have black and white and then like one flower is in color someone's lips are in color because like you see black and white pictures sometimes where like part of it is tinted so I didn't feel like that was like that unusual to see but when it really looked cool to me was when most of it was in color and you'd have like one person in black and white there's something about that that just looks really like striking and I don't know there's something really interesting about it so I, I thought I thought that was cool. But like I said, I wasn't sure how much of that fit into this category or not. So I just like picked the stuff that I thought was the strongest for the movie, which is how it affected the mood and how it worked with the storytelling. And I gave those the perfect hands. That's fair. All right. Should we move on to, to cinematography camera work then? Yeah. And it's a really okay. similar category for me. So you go first. Okay. Um, this one actually... I was tempted to just give it perfect tens down the line because, because like I said, I feel like the cinematography in this movie is just so amazing. It's like I'll just give it all tens, um, but I really wasn't. I was. It was a little hit and miss with me. There were certain areas within the camera work that I really, really loved. Like there was the movement was, you know, when it, when it moved, it was really fluid and really handled that um, in a really nice way. Especially during some of the like color reveals, I thought uh, did a really good job with with either camera movement or just directing the movement within the within the frame, which would be more, I guess, the mise-en-scene. Um, so in that regard, I thought the camera work was really solid. Everything looked like a like a picture or like a painting. Um, so for sure, the mise-en-scene was amazing. Um, but then there's things like, uh, like camera angles, which were definitely, uh, there were a lot of really interesting camera angles. I actually Dutch wrote angles. that down too. Yeah. I noticed some of the Dutch angles and I noticed some really, I don't know if there's a fancy word for it, but when it's like the camera's down really low and it's like yeah. shooting upward at the actor at like a really sharp angle. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I was like, what's the, 
there were some of them where I was like, why did they shoot it this way? Because you just yeah. like it just stood out, and I'm mm-hmm. like, what is this helping with? I think it yeah. just looks odd. I agree, and I feel like I also gave storytelling really like I, I camera angles a six point five because I thought when it worked, it worked, and when it didn't, it was just kind of meh. Um, but then storytelling, I only gave a four out of 10, um, because I really feel like with those weird camera angles, if they had used them in the same way as color, I think it could have been incredibly effective. Whereas like most of the movie is shot very straight on, very much like a 50s sitcom, keep it that stylized 50s sitcom, nothing fancy. And then things kind of start going askew. Exactly. Yeah. I think they actually kind of went the opposite. They did. The weird angles tended to be like when they very first got to play. And I guess so. maybe they were trying to create a sense of uneasiness in that, like, you know, supposedly picture perfect, but like everybody's so repressed. But I don't know. Something about it just wasn't quite effective. Yeah. And I, th- yeah. Yeah. I guess I just think that. It should have been sprinkled in like the color. It was off-putting and not in the way that I think they meant it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave storytelling pretty, like I said, four out of ten um, because I think it could have been done to help tell the story in a really interesting way. And instead, it was just like, oh, I guess they're trying to make us feel uneasy, which was kind of disappointing. How about you? Any any low points or high points with this one the camera angles were my low point I gave that a six because the weird angles stood out to me yeah um for my son I actually gave that a nine just because when I hear that term I just think of like the overall look of the whole movie so the kind of just got mixed in with like the lighting and the other stuff for me I wasn't thinking solely about camera work so that one got bumped up but everything else where it was more like just camera work I mostly gave it all sevens because it was just like, yeah, didn't really have much to say about it one way or the other except those angles. So That's it came out enough. to a seven point two overall. Actually, yet again, exactly the same. Weird. For me. That is weird. We are uh, on point, for <laughs> one, or at least some of it. Um, so then that's going to bring us to editing and special effects. Um, it should come as no surprise, I guess, from from what we were just saying earlier with the the cinematography lighting. But for special effects, I easily gave that a ten out of ten um, because I was largely considering the the black and white, the mm-hmm. color. Because um, there were even like I I worked as a video editor, not doing any kind of special effects or anything fancy, but like I have a pretty good understanding of how special effects are achieved, and I still watch that movie. I'm like, how did they? do this like I, I can't quite I was wondering that like do they have to color every frame individually I don't know I can't imagine that sounds awful <laughs> I know but me and I know I used to know the answer to that um because I did like I I'm sure they talk about it a lot on the special features because even though that dvd is is super dated they do have a weirdly large amount of special features per movie from 1998 so I know I've watched the special features and I know they talk about it quite a bit, but it's been several years and I, I don't remember. But however they do it, it's really impressive and, and really looks good. So so mm-hmm. I easily gave that one a, a ten out of ten. And I guess before I before I just babble on about other things, was there was there anything that was that was really high for you or anything you want to add for special effects? Well, I gave special effects on their own a nine. Just cause the um the black and white and color stuff was perfect, but then there was other stuff that, were, like, anytime they use special effects other than that, it was not very good. Like, for example, my least favorite scene in the whole movie, when they're <laughs> fighting over the remote and get sucked into the TV, they did some really kind of, like, just dumb, cheap yeah, it's very special effects there. Yeah, Windows Movie Maker effects. Yeah, yeah, and there were some scenes when the people were like rioting against the diner, and they were like trashing the diner, and they they started doing some slow motion shots there that just stood out mm-hmm. to me as like just kind of cheap looking, and maybe just I don't know, and maybe that doesn't even count as special effects. I don't know, but there were just a couple things where I was like, hmm. That wasn't that great. So even though the black and white stuff was really good, it gave special effects a nine. I did give storytelling, though, in this category a 10 because, I mean, really this whole story is told through people gradually changing to color. So that was that was really effective. That's true. I only gave storytelling a six. I wasn't really thinking about 
about it quite in those terms. But I gave special effects a 10, so I'll, I'll yeah. leave it where it I is. think that's fair. <laughs> I gave Thanks. all the other miscellaneous categories sevens. Again, kind of, I guess that's my math score. Okay. But I don't know. There just wasn't anything that, like, stood out to me. And I wasn't crazy about the pace, but I also didn't hate the pace. Yeah, so. that was my feeling yeah. as well. Yeah, the editing in general just kind of didn't really do much for me. Um, I mean, pace, I gave pace within the editing a 7.5, but within the writing, I gave it a, I still gave that a 7. Actually, I thought I gave it a 6 somewhere. I do think it's worse in the writing than the editing because yeah. it comes back to my whole thing about get rid of all the stuff and present day slash the 90s yeah like that totally messes with the pace of the movie because the whole ending I want like gone or changed the whole beginning like the whole first 20 minutes of the movie I'm like oh do I even like this movie like uh, you have to wait till they get in there for it to get going like that really messes with the pace a lot yeah so should we do overall Mm -hmm. scores then yeah, I really don't have anything anything else to add with this one. Um, I gave it a six point six, which is a little high, but I guess I guess special effects really brought it up for me. Yeah, I thought yours was going to be higher the way you were scoring special effects. Mine was an eight. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so then that's going to bring us to the sound category. Um, I'll let you take the lead on this one if you would like. Is there anything Ugh. any any highs or any lows you want to talk about? I mean, not real. Sound was another one where I was like, oh, what do I even have to say about this category? I don't know. Supposedly, I mean, who did you say did the score to this movie? Randy Newman. I didn't even notice the score to this movie. Oh, really? I noticed it a few times. I, I never noticed it even once. Really? I noticed it and I liked it a lot, but it wasn't very nuanced. It seemed like there was just one song that played anytime you needed to feel emotion. And I really liked the song. But I felt it seemed like the same song was played three times. I'm like, you're not going to play a different yeah, song? Yeah, I must have just tuned it out. Yeah. I don't really even remember hearing music in this movie for some reason. Well, you definitely have the, uh, my, God, what was, what was wrong with me with names today? Fiona <sighs> Apple. We've got the I do remember Apple. that song being at the end. Yeah. Which was nice, I suppose. But, yeah, I don't know. What do you have to say about this category? Because I kind of got um, nothing. I don't have much to say. Uh, pretty much just what I already said about the the score and soundtrack, um, which kind of got lumped into storytelling for me. Like when when I noticed the score, I liked it and I thought it did a pretty good, for me at least, you didn't even notice it. So maybe I'm giving it too much credit. Um, but I thought it was nice and I thought it helps move the emotions of the story along. It would have gone a much higher. So I still gave it. I gave score and soundtrack an eight and storytelling a seven, largely because of the score and soundtrack. So I still thought it was really effective. Um, But like I said, it was not very nuanced or varied. It seemed like the same song played every time you needed to feel emotions. So it would have been easily in the outstanding range had it had a a little bit more, more, I guess. Just just, variation. Yeah. Yeah. And then also I I do like that Fiona Apple thing. It has a nostalgic aspect to me because I feel like we we're talking about it when the when the song was playing I was like oh this song like I remember it being everywhere and you're like I didn't know she I covered this even, song I never even heard <laughs> that so oh, in the beginning though when they were in their regular high school there was a song playing in the background where I was like oh what is this song it was like such a 90s song it had a lot of like record scratching I was like what is this song I think it was like I don't know. I had some nostalgia with it, though. <laughs> I don't even, I didn't even hear it. Um, did you have any thoughts as far as, um, I'm asking it, and for the record, I do not have any thoughts one way or the other, <laughs> but uh, do you have anything for, like, overall sound design, sound mix, sound effects, anything like that for this movie? Yeah, Everything just kind of got, like, I gave different scores to different things, and I'm really not even sure why. They're pretty <laughs> arbitrary, but they all got, yeah. like, sevens, eights, and they're a nine for storytelling and I don't even know why I put that but I don't know like I figure with sound sometimes not noticing it is a good thing and so I just kind of gave it the benefit of the doubt and just gave it kind of a average of an eight that's fair uh my average for sounds uh actually mine's pretty low mine came out to a six even it was uh pretty meh for me um, so that's going to be, I think this is going to be a fun one to talk about, of <laughs> the uh, aesthetics category. Uh, so is there anything, um, anything that stood out for you one way or the other? Yeah, this was, the, well, this was the highest category for me. This was yeah. my perfect 10. 
I mean, they made it look just like a 50s sitcom. They did what they needed to do. When it turned to color, they did it in like a technicolor sort of a way that felt true to the the times like when sitcoms did first turn to color and that also helps with telling the story and it looked cool yeah so just like all these different things that had really nice aesthetics those are all kind of lighting things but still I mean just like looking at the whole world as a whole that all helps and then like the hair was great the costumes were great the cars were great the buildings were great like I liked all of that it looked really good yeah, I agree. I also gave gave this category a perfect 10. And even uh, the the brief 90s scenes that we see, like when it first started, he made a comment like, I can't wait to see some 90s yeah. fashion. Um, and then we really didn't see too, like we saw enough. It's like, okay, I definitely know when this movie was made. Um, but it wasn't like cringy or awful. Like it was just like, Okay, yeah, she's got, like, her, her buffy hair and her choker. I guess yeah, she had her 90s. choker and her, like, butterfly clip in her hair. Yeah. She always had the two little strands hanging down yeah. out of the ponytail in her face. That was, like, very 90s. Yeah. Some of it was really stylized, though, like, how she and her friends all have white t-shirts and jeans on. Yeah. Like, I don't really think that was a thing, but that was just, like, how they were, like, okay, guys, like, these are the cool girls. Yeah. So, I don't know. That, that worked, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, for such a strong category, I really don't have anything to add. I feel like you pretty no, much covered it I was it good, it was, yeah. It was great, yeah. <laughs> uh, so perfect tense for both of us. That's easy. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's going to bring us to impact on film. This one's going to be divided up into critical impact, audience cult impact, and historical inspirational impact. Um, I, I Usually I take the lead on this one because Tristan just copies me anyway. <laughs> but um, I, I realize not everybody does that. So is there anything anything you want to say for this? Or, or do you want me to go ahead and take the lead? Well, I didn't just copy you, but I did just go based on gut feelings. I didn't look up yeah. scores or anything. So I'm curious how this compares to use yours. I gave all of these eights. I just yeah. figured it seems to have been pretty well received. People remember this enough that they're like celebrating an anniversary of it. It's a movie that people have seen. If you reference it, you know what they're talking about, you know, even if yeah. you didn't just see it recently. Um, so that's all kind of like audience cult impact. And then, you know, just the fact that it was well-received is a good critical impact. I don't know about historical inspirational impact. That's a little trickier. I don't think it has a lot of historical impact as far as like influencing other films, but I do think it has a place in film history and discussing yeah. like film as social commentary. Absolutely. Yeah. So I still gave that an eight. Fair enough. That's actually um, very, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. We're no, I'm done. Okay. Actually, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, my, I was very similar to you, actually. I gave, I gave critical impact an eight. I did look up the Metacritic score, but it's such an, old movie that I kind of took it with a pretty big grain of salt I think the Metacritic score was like a 7.1 or something but I'm like I feel like it it has enough enough merit to it and I think I mentioned this already it's it's mentioned quite often in like film textbooks and things like that so I feel like it definitely even if it wasn't like universally accepted as this great movie at the time it's definitely held up on its own it's definitely one that critics reference a lot um, and it's definitely one that uh, is is generally well received so I went ahead and gave that one an eight Um, audience and cult impact I gave an 8.5 that one was was purely based on gut instinct I didn't look up any of the audience scores but I feel like um largely the the cult impact I feel like this is definitely a movie that like the people who like it really like it and the people that it's like had an effect on it is had an effect on um so I I, just based on gut I gave that one an 8.5 and the historical and inspirational impact that one I gave a nine Uh, I think a lot of what you were saying um is definitely dead on as far as like you know, the social commentary and, and having a place in film history because of that. But then also even things like the cinematography. I mean, there's the Pleasantville effect is a is a term that's used in, uh, maybe not in textbooks, but I feel like that's just kind of thrown around with like critics and things like that. If you see black and white, one thing's in color, that's a Pleasantville effect. Mm-hmm. So then in Schindler's List, who cares? Pleasantville effect. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> that's what it's known as. 
but I don't actually even know the year of Schindler's List, but I feel like it was a couple years before this. So yeah, it's definitely, you know, has a place in that regard. And I do think just because of the, of the story it's telling and how it's very much so about, you know, enlightenment and uh, renaissance in a lot of ways or personal renaissance and, and accepting yourself and recognizing your flaws, all of that stuff. Um, I do think there, there's an inspirational, at least on a, a personal level for the people who, who watch it, which, which ties in with the cult impact as well. Um, but I do think there's an inspirational impact there that's, that's likely to go on to inspire, um, whether it be filmmakers, writers, you know, any kind of, of creative person who wants to go out and create, I think you'll probably watch this movie and relate to it and, and feel at least a little bit inspired. Um, so in that regard, I think that, that boosts it a little bit for me as well. Um, so in all three of those, for me, average is out to an 8.5. So very similar to yours. Um, so then that's going to bring us to overall enjoyment. Did you enjoy this movie? <laughs> That's a tricky question for this movie because, like, yeah. I gave this a lot of, you know, pretty high scores in a lot of categories, but I only gave it a six for overall enjoyment. Okay. I didn't really enjoy watching it that much, and I think it's mainly because of the stuff that I've said over and over again I wish they would have taken yeah. out. And I didn't really like the main character. So even though there's stuff that they did really well and things that looked cool, it has a nice message. I didn't actually enjoy watching it that much. Really? Yeah. I guess I'm not that surprised after everything you said. I I love this movie. Really? I, yeah. And it's definitely, I mean, there there are things I think it could do better. And like I was saying, like, I, if they remade it today, I would not be like, oh, no, they don't need to remake it. It's perfect the way it is. No, no, no. There are things you can change yeah. and make it better. But I, th- I think I just, it probably has a lot to do with, with where I was in my life when I saw it the first time. I feel like I was kind of on that cusp of uh, kind of, breaking away from things you grew up with and, and kind of just seeing the world a different way and coming up with your own opinions. Um, I feel like I was right in that sweet spot as far as, um, I guess, a personal awakening in that regard. Um, so I think I was just at the right age when I saw it the first time. And then just when I see it, you know, not over and over again, I've only seen it a handful of times, but each time I see it, I feel like I get a little bit something different out of it. And I just find it interesting and it's an interesting um uh, just an interesting way to tell this story and to get the message across and I feel like it's just very a very clear metaphor that I just find interesting it's like well how can anybody still argue that these old ways are better when here like change is better so I just think it's it's interesting from that regard so so all that said I gave it a 9.5 out of 10 um didn't give it a perfect 10 mostly pretty much exclusively because Toby Maguire um, and you know everything about his character not ju- not just him but the the writing around that character um did not affect me nearly as much as you but definitely uh definitely kept it from a perfect 10 this, this easily would have been a perfect 10 movie even with the seeing the 90s and getting sucked into the tv I can live with that I like a little fantasy that doesn't bother me but his character bothered me yeah so so that kept it from a perfect 10 but I still like the movie enough and I like the other characters enough that it was still quite high for me. All right. So then that said, uh, did you give this movie any extra credit? I did. I gave it one extra point with the comment, topple the patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that it had a really good feminist message. I really liked the sister's character and the growth that she went through. I was just really worried that the direction it was going was that like she shouldn't have, you know, had sex or like I thought that that was where it was going and it didn't. It it just went to where it said that basically you need to have you need to be having sex for the right reasons, right? Yeah. So like it's not like don't have sex or don't have sex with this person or under these circumstances. It's just like have sex for the right reasons because you want to, not because you're trying to be the cool girl or whatever. Right. Like, I don't know. I I had a good like female empowerment message there. So I liked that. All right. Uh, I also gave it one point for kind of similar reasons, um, mostly just the the social relevance that even 20 years later, it still uh, not only still maintains, but in a lot of ways is even more relevant now. Um, we had mentioned earlier that just 
in general, this is a very Trump era appropriate film. And I think in the, the Me Too movement even plays a little bit as far as the the relevance of a lot of things. I, 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 I'm giving a lot of big ideas now and don't really want to get more specific just because uh, that's that can take a very long time, yeah. first of all. And, and um, that's just not really what this podcast is about. But um, I just think it's a very, a very socially relevant film, um, even though it could have done a lot of things a lot better. And, and I think it could be remade today and, and express things in, in different ways and better ways. Um, but I think it just it the message itself at the heart of this movie has relevance, even even aside from from politics or aside from you know social movements, just for human beings, you need to have self-awareness and and shed this you know repression, shed this ignorance, embrace knowledge, embrace change. Um, I think that's a very powerful message and a very relevant one, um, especially um, in this day and age, I guess. Uh, so I gave it a point for that. All right. So with that said, um, I guess what was your total score? 78.6. That's actually really, this might be the closest we've, we've done. <laughs> with My total came out to an 81. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that is really close. Yeah. All right. So that's going to wrap up this discussion of Pleasantville. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you could review this podcast and, and like it, share it with all your friends, that would be super, super awesome of you. And uh, if you want to learn more about the grid rating system, be sure to check out grittyfilms.com slash the grid. And that's gritty films spelled G R I D D Y films.com. You can also check out our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash gritty films. And that's going to wrap it up for this week. Next week, it's going to be me and Em talking about Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. I know I announced that last week, but there was a little bit of a change in the schedule. Um, so that's going to be a week from, from the release of this episode. Wow, I'm getting really rambly. I guess that means it is time to wrap it up. So thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Shine, my moon.